Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto podcast. It's June 24th and this is Off Chain, your weekly recap of the biggest stories in Web3. I'm Matthew House Barbie and I'm here as always with my co-host Austin Knight. How are you doing, Austin? Doing well, Matt. You really picked quite the time to uh, take off and leave me here on my own. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I Yeah, I was at uh, NFT NYC all of uh, the, the past week, It's uh, which was, just as a side note, crazy. Um, there was so many people there. I think it was 15,000 like, ticket holders, probably double that without tickets, at least. And some of the the events that were put on, the level of production, it's really impressive. It was my first time going to the event. Um, so really good. Got to chat to lots of great people um, along the way as well. So yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, for what it's worth, I heard that you were pretty awesome on your panel. I know you won't brag for yourself, so I'll brag on your behalf. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, I only found out that I was going to do a panel talk um, at like 10 p.m., the night before. So <laughs> I was like, and then, and then actually I will say, so I turn up to the panel, there's five people and I was like, okay, um, who's, who's like the moderator. And they're like, oh, we don't have a moderator for this panel. I was like, oh fuck. So I really <laughs> did not have a lot of time to prepare for this, but it was really good. Yeah. We had like a panel discussion around, uh, play and earn and there was some good debate in it actually and around like the sustainability of game So yeah, that was, that was a fun one. Um, but look, we've got some big stories we're going to go into. We're going to be talking in, about all of the drama that's been happening across, to be honest, the Solana blockchain with uh, Solend and uh, some of the big announcements on the hardware side of the business coming from uh, Solana as well. We got an update on more big players in the space falling. Yet another nine-figure Bridge hack, which is probably not music to anyone's ears, and a whole host of of other wrap up news. So, we why don't we get straight into that right after this? If you're struggling to get your head around the complexity of decentralized finance, I've something just for you. Decrypting DeFi is an online course where I walk you through all of the important concepts within DeFi and share step-by-step tutorials on how to start generating income from your crypto assets. Whether you're interested in this from an investment point of view, or just want to better understand how things like yield farming, liquidity mining, and staking works, the course will have something for you. Head over to mhb.xyz forward slash DeFi to learn more. Okay, so our first story of the day is Solend. And Solend, if you don't know, is the largest lender on the Solana blockchain. And they have just been in turmoil for the past week, two weeks. And let me give you a bit of an overview of what what happened. So a huge whale had locked up uh, around about $170 million worth in Sol. about a month or so ago, I think it was, and they borrowed $108 million in stablecoins, USDC and USDT, so Tether and USDC, um, against their Solana position. So just as a starting point, this single position accounted for around about 25% of all of the value locked inside the Solend protocol, which 
immediately is a red flag to me. But let's just park that for for now. <laughs> like, um, imagine all like twenty five percent of the assets in a bank being like from one lender. Like that 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 feels yeah. quite worrying, right? <laughs> so let's let's pause there. Um, now. <clears throat> If unless you were on the moon, which it actually seemed like this this whale was on the moon, uh, you wouldn't have noticed the market drawdown of monumental proportions uh, last Monday, Monday the thirteenth, which took the sole price from I think it was in like the the thirties all the way crashing down to twenty six dollars. Now here's here's why this is important. This brought the the whale's um, leverage position dangerously close to being liquidated. And if you're not that familiar with like how liquidations and borrowing happens, you're probably hearing a lot about this in the news because there's been a lot of different li- liquidations, at least in crypto news. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the way this works, right, is similar to how you would take out a, a regular loan, you will give up some kind of collateral. So you're buying a house, you'll put down in many terms, uh, in many times, it'll be like under collateralized, right? So you could put down 25K and borrow 100K in cash. In crypto, like there, um, you'll you'll have to over collateralize. So you have to lock up much more than you can borrow. Um, so in this case, they locked up $170 million worth of Solana and they borrowed $108 million in USDC. Now, the, the pro- here's, here's where the issue comes in. Solana is a volatile asset. The price of Solana goes up and down a lot. The cash that they have borrowed in is a stablecoin. And while this is probably open to stablecoin jokes, uh, they they should remain at $1, right? So <laughs> I know that we've been proved wrong pretty, pretty recently on that, though. Um, now, <clears throat> if uh, th- there needs to be a certain ratio that's maintained. So let's say in this case, you can only borrow up to 60% of the value of what you've deposited in in Sol, for example, and Sol drops all the way down in price, so that it it now the value of the Sol that you've locked up is actually worth less um, than sixty percent of the cash that you've borrowed in the stablecoins. Well, then what the protocol will do is it will liquidate um, your assets to start basically selling them off in the open market to start recovering your debt um, automatically. And what will often happen is you'll incur um, what can sometimes be called a stability fee or a liquidation fee, where you'll basically pay like a penalty. And that's usually between like either 10 to 20%, depending on the protocol, that you just lose straight off the top. So you can very quickly cascade down um, into losing a lot. Now, <clears throat> the, the liquidation price for this particular whale was if... Solana dropped down to $22.30, then the whole position would be liquidated. And um, bear in mind, on Monday, it was at $26. And this is $170 million worth of Sol. So it's a lot. Um, now, upon liquidation, here's what would happen. 20% of that position would immediately be sold by the uh, the Sol End protocol just on the open market. right? Th- this in itself is a huge sell order that would just go through automatically. And there's a couple of problems here. First of all, this would tank the Sol price. It it would move the price of Sol, which then actually creates further knock-on effects, other people getting liquidated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a cascade. But that to one side, what would also happen is um, they would have 
probably taken about a 40 to 45% haircut on that sale through what's known as price impact, where when you're selling in large quantities, it actually moves the price down and like the uh, the actual amount that you're selling is impacted by that. So they would have basically sold for like 40 to 45% less than, than they would want to, which again would impact their ability to recover the, the, the debt. So that would really negatively impact Sol Lend. Um, then you've just got the general flood of Sol that would go on the market. It would probably have caused the Solana blockchain to grind to a halt, as we have seen uh, many, many times over the past few months, and just create a ton of further cascades. Not good is the is the TLDR <laughs> on, on this, I would say. Now, here's where things get... So that's a bad situation. We've seen big liquidations happen on other... Uh, on other chains, somewhat akin to this. And Solent have been trying to reach out to the whale. Um, no response. And here's where things get controversial. So last week, the Solent team put forward a governance proposal where they proposed the team take manual control over the whale's funds um, because the whale had been non-responsive. And they would manage the liquidations themselves via OTC trade, so over-the-counter trade. So they would basically take um, some of their own, say, treasury funds, and they would just do an over-the-counter deal so it wouldn't go out into the open market. At, at that point, right, you're going to reduce down like that price impact I was talking about, where you're just going to take a haircut of like 40 to 45% down to something which is quite normal, like 1% to 2%. Massively benefits Solend, and also they could space uh, the trades out. Well, you know, we'll get into the, the ethics of that in just a second, but the proposal passed and it turned out that one of the votes, one of the yes votes accounted for 88% of all the votes. So basically one individual, which we can confirm was not the Solend team, but was just a giant uh, whale, basically steered the entire vote is like is a categorically a non-democratic vote. What I thought was also particularly funny about this was this was the first ever governance proposal that Solent had ever released. What what a time to do it, right? So they received huge backlash for this because, you know, okay, you are more than happy to take on this enormous level of risk, 20% of your total lot value, and you were benefiting from the interest and the fees that were uh, that coming off that huge, hugely beneficial. And the moment then the reverse happens and you're in trouble, now you're not abiding by the the decentralized rules of the protocol. And this is a like my my take on this is you know how solving challenges with decentralization. Solving them with centralization is pretty much like the antithesis of everything that these lending decentralized lending platforms were built for. And, uh, you know, so they received a huge amount of backlash. Then, a day after the vote passed, uh, and more importantly, I would say, as the market kind of took a breath and recovered, we had that kind of relief rally, and Sol went up past 30 bucks. So, you know, the liquidation risk was much lower. The Solent team put out a new proposal, which basically just said, like, okay, this proposal is to override and reverse the actions of the last... Uh, uh, the, the last proposal, and we will no longer, um, we, we'll no longer go and uh, take control of the whale's account. That passed again with a, a, a very poor distribution 
of votes. Um, and they've now managed to make contact with the whale. The position's being wound down, so they've got it all under control. But, you know, this kind of brings into question, even though they've reversed this, if if the protocol can just, and the team, more importantly, the team can just change the rules really quickly like that, um, you know, like it's it, it, it means, and especially when it benefits them greatly, it does bring into question a lot of like decentralization. And uh, I personally don't think it's good. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Bancor have been going through a very different, but similar controversial like governance issue recently um, surrounding them not no longer covering impermanent loss. Um, but yeah, this is a big one. Big one, Austin. <laughs> oh man. I mean, where to even begin? This is just unbelievable. Uh, of course, it's the just about the least decentralized process I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> I, I, it, it just blows my mind how champions of decentralization can turn around and do something exponentially more authoritarian and centralized than the very parties that they decry um, while they build their platforms. It's it's unbelievable, really, uh, to think that it, it was felt to be acceptable to seize an individual's funds and to basically have one person be the decision maker. Yeah. That. And to somehow still try to pretend that that's a decentralized protocol. Um, yeah, I think a lot of work is yet to be done there. And, you know, this is sort of in the theme of what's happening with this bear market and what has happened with many bear markets in crypto and Web3 and that there's you're you know a lot of uh missteps and scams and flaws in the system are coming to the surface so yeah I, I, well i think and, and and i think actually you know you, you mentioned flaws in the system i think one of the biggest flaws right now this comes from someone who is deeply involved and uh has spent a lot of time uh with with DAOs and particular like decentral games all of our all of our decisions are run through a DAO. governance is broken governance is is just is is suboptimal to be like very generous in in web3 right now and the lion's share of governance votes are basically just whoever has the most capital has the most say. And it really is the opposite of what everything's promised in Web3. I think there are going to be ways that this is going to start to get solved, but it's uh, it's a problem and it, and, it, and it definitely needs to address. Otherwise, you're just going to see more situations like this. Yeah. And I know that like... I think for our listeners, you know, hearing something about having $170 million locked up in USDC, it's these numbers are so huge. It's hard to really relate to, but these, uh, these issues of forced liquidations are, you know, really pretty legitimate. I I've seen plenty of just anecdotal stories of people that, 
just just borrowed um, against their crypto to you know maybe get a mortgage on their house and are now facing forced liquidations because of market volatility and all of this stuff. Of course, you, you know, in hindsight, you can say that's a terrible idea. Maybe at the yeah. time it would have been pretty obviously a terrible idea as well. But like, there's tons of evidence of TikTok influencers that were pumping these mm. schemes, right? Um, and so I think that this is this is of course something that's happening at the sort of large protocol and institutional level, of course, but it's also happening at the individual level right now as well. And here we go, you know, from one potential forced liquidation event to another, we've got a pretty wild story about Three Arrows Capital coming up next. So if you're not familiar with Three Arrows Capital, it is one of crypto's largest VCs. And it looks like it's facing insolvency. Not 100% confirmed, but that's where the signs are pointing right now. There's an amazing thread from a guy called Miles Deutscher on Twitter that we'll link to in the description here where he breaks this down. Uh, 3AC is led by Zusu and Kyle Davies. You may have heard those names. At their peak, they were managing about $18 billion in assets. So that made them somewhere within the top three VCs in the crypto space. But just a few weeks ago, mysteriously, Zusu deleted his Instagram and went totally silent on Twitter. And this started creating a lot of rumors around what potentially could be going on at 3AC and if maybe they were facing a margin call. So shortly after that, it was revealed that they had about $245 million in ETH deposited in Ave, um, which they used as collateral to borrow $189 million. Um, so again, what we're, we're dealing with here is um, they, a, a huge loan that they're taking out against a large position in ETH collateral. So due to their illiquidity, meaning that many of their tokens were locked at this time, they were unable to add collateral or pay off any debt. And this looks like it led to a liquidation cascade. At the same time, it was revealed that 3AC was leveraged along everywhere. So this resulted I think, yeah, in I think that. Yeah, I think that's an understatement. Uh, they were leveraged along everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, predictably, this resulted in a flurry of margin calls. So instead of answering these calls, however, they ended up just, again, going radio silent, not following up with anybody. And this resulted in a bunch of forced liquidations, which of course led to a broader market dump. So it soon became evident that liquidity issues for 3AC were worsening as they were seemingly forced to sell over 60,000 in Lido staked ETH. Ouch. As this was happening, Zusu confirmed some of the market suspicions by finally returning to Twitter and publishing his first tweet since all of this started. And what he literally said was just like, Matt, I'm sure that you saw this pop up in your feed. It was so ominous. He just says, we are in the process of communicating with relevant parties and fully committed to working this out. Like, what are you talking about? I can, I can, uh, I can translate that for you, Austin, if you want. What, What he's saying is we're fucked. We are truly, <laughs> royally fucked, and I am shitting myself right here, right now. <laughs> that's that's what he's saying. So, of course, um, as with so many of these liquidity events, um, the beginning of 3AC's woes can be tied back to the collapse of Luna and Terra. 
So 3AC supposedly had borrowed money off of investors and deposited it into Anchor without informing them. Well, we've, <laughs> so, we've heard this. We've heard this story before, I think, haven't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and yeah. this was not a small amount of money. They had bought five hundred sixty million dollars worth of locked Luna, and then that position collapsed to six hundred dollars. I was going to say amazing... you could probably barely barely order a coffee uh, with uh, with five hundred sixty million dollars <laughs> worth of Luna now. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Uh, and so there's an amazing Fat Man Terra thread that sort of breaks this down in much more detail than we can go into now. But effectively, it looks like these losses led Three Arrows Capital to increase their appetite for leverage. This is known as a form of chasing losses. Huge, a bunch of, uh, you know, sort of standard VC and Wall Street context to sort of set the backdrop to this, but this is a common thing that uh, that happens. Uh, investors will attempt to chase their lo- losses by increasing their leverage and um, basically following it on the way down. So why does this matter? Uh, 3AC, it turns out, they borrow from almost every major lender in the crypto space. So this includes Celsius, BlockFi, Nexo, BitMEX. Uh, it was thought to include FTX, but uh, SBF confirmed that it doesn't. So mm-hmm. regardless, um, if 3AC is unable to repay these loans, all of those lenders are inevitably going to take a hit. There's sort of the adage of like, you know, if if you borrow $100,000 from a lender and you default on it, you're fucked. If yep. you borrow $100 million from a lender and you default on it, the lender's fucked. Yeah. And so... <laughs> And, and this, think, and, and you know, this, this this is the this is the issue. I think one thing that this huge drawdown, largely coming from, right, and, and I'm not talking about like the inflation-driven drawdown of like the wider markets. I'm talking about the mass collapse of the crypto market right now that is coming from this giant interconnected. And I think this is the big problem, right? It's just like this interconnected. Uh, kind of cascade of 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 defaults, right? It's like every one of the big players is intertwined, and it's created this kind of contagion effect where you know three AC had an enormous amount of exposure to Luna UST, right? And they they crashed down, and where did they get some cash? to to fund that exposure well yeah they got it from celsius and blockfi nexo bitmex and what's happening to them right now well celsius nearly just collapsed blockfi nearly just collapsed nexo is probably going to be next you know and and then where have they lent from and there's just this this consistent really really bad cycle that's that's happening and it's one of the reasons why i still think we have we have a way to go. I mean, if, if for as long as SBF can prop up the industry, uh, basically, he's like carrying it on his back right yeah. now, like an absolute yeah. hero. You know, if his legs give way, then yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's time to say goodbye. But yeah, yeah, a- and of course, this this cascades also to assets that you know are are outside of these lenders like BTC, ETH. Soul. The list is huge, the assets that 3AC own. Um, Miles Deutscher also has a thread that we can link to that breaks down all of the assets. Most likely, if you're listening to this, you own a handful of what's on that list. Um, and to Matt's point, we can already see the cascade from 3AC affecting other uh, other cryptocurrency 
um, brokers and exchanges and lenders as well. Voyeur Digital is the most recent mm. example. They have plummeted 60% after revealing a $661 million exposure to 3AC. So Voyeur Digital is a cryptocurrency broker. Um, and they just mentioned that they may have to issue a notice of default to Three Arrows Capital if they fail to repay their loans. It looks like their yeah. exposure to 3AC is in the order of 15,250 BTC, which as of this recording is about $311 million and then roughly $350 million in USDC. Yeah. And I, th- I think uh, I think FTX have actually just bailed them out. Um, so I, I, I was, uh, I think a pretty substantial kind of loan that, uh, that, um, FTX have, have issued something like 485 million, like a uh, line of credit that they've just extended to, uh, to, to Voyager digital. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's worrying. It really is. Yeah. It really is worrying. Yeah, and of course that has become the FTX line of credit has become a theme the last couple of weeks. <laughs> More um, of a meme, I no, would say at this point. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a theme to a meme. Um, <laughs> hey, how about this? Let's let's make it worse. Um, <laughs> Zhu Su, it turns out he ordered a fifty million dollar San Lorenzo fifty two steel mega yacht. There's an amazing oh, YouTube oh, video. Great. I've got <laughs> yeah. one of those. I've got um, one of those myself. Got one of those myself. <laughs> I use it as just like a satellite office every now and then. Um, it's uh, it's it's been one of the better investments, I would say. If you are a major VC in the space and you don't own a fifty million dollar super yacht, like what are you even doing? <laughs> what are you even doing at this point, right? Matt, this yacht is unbelievable. There, there's a there's a video on YouTube of it. The interior is amazing. It's got like a James Bond style freaking rear deck area where you can drive your boat your your smaller boat into your bigger boat and then it'll like lift it up out of the water it's unbelievable this thing uh, i understand no, I... why he would want it you know um, well yeah yeah well, what, it's gonna be good now because what he could do is he could just drive himself as far out into the ocean as possible and just, just liquidate <laughs> himself i think is probably going to be the best the best outcome here um, you know so, what? Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I think he's going to miss the boat, literally, because it turns <laughs> out good. the boat was purchased with borrowed money. And no! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, borrowed money from 3AC, and they've been unable to cover it, and the boat hasn't been delivered yet. It's scheduled to be delivered next month, which means it's probably going to turn into a fire sale. Now, get this. For the last <laughs> several months, apparently, and this is just rumors, but Zusu has been going around at crypto parties. He probably would have been at NFT NYC if this hadn't happened. <laughs> yep. Showing people pictures of this yacht. Um, and to make things even better, somebody was able to dig up a Twitter thread where he had asked, like, what's a, you know, what are some great recommendations for huge yachts or whatever? And an anonymous Twitter user <laughs> responded to him that he should buy this yacht. So who knows if Excellent. that was actually the catalyst for this. But I just, it's like one of those things, you know, these things, they, they just write themselves. It's amazing. I, it's, it, it's just, you, you cannot, you cannot write. It's, do you know what? I feel like this cycle, Netflix just unloaded a ton of cash on the industry and just said, just please help save Netflix 
by giving us the most incredible documentary that we can (laughs) ever have hoped to make. And I tell you what, guys, we'll throw in a $50 million mega yacht if you can make this happen. That's (laughs) I think Netflix is behind this whole thing, and this is just a giant conspiracy. Uh, So, yeah, it's... uh, Ah, oh, you know, you, you can, if you can't laugh, you, you, you just have to resume crying. All right, let's jump out of that. And we'll, uh, we'll no doubt getting to even more optimistic news in our third story of the day. In our third story of the day, well, three, three seems to be a theme here. We had the first bridge hack, major nine figure bridge hack. Of, of this year happened with the Solana wormhole bridge. I think it was something like 250 million in losses and uh, I think it was Jump Capital jumped in and saved them. And then we had the Ronin 600 plus million uh, bridge hack. Uh, Ronin being the blockchain that Axie uh, team built. And now we have Harmony and their Horizon bridge, which has just been hacked. Yesterday this happened with total losses of $100 million. I, you know, Harmony have said, I quote, they have begun working with national authorities and forensic specialists to identify the culprit and retrieve the stolen funds. Uh, so, wow, what a, what a day that is um, for, for that team. But it's just, you know, this is just happening time and time and time again with bridges being exposed. And from what I understand, this is this is unconfirmed right now, but this is what I have heard, is that the bridge was secured with a two out of five multi-sig wallet. So, so what that means is, right, like a usual multi-sig wallet means that, uh, let's say you have a, a, five, a five address multi-sig wallet, all five addresses need to, uh, to, to, to verify that access before anything can be changed. In this case, it was only two of the addresses of the of the five in the multi-sig that actually needed to, to be used to unlock the, the, the wallet, meaning the hacker just needed to compromise two of these wallets to steal $100 million in, in funds. So, you know, it's uh, this is just another really, really bad look for the the industry, the industry that's trying to onboard more new Web3 users. And, um, you know, I don't have a whole lot more to say on this one, but I think this one is is just really, really bad. And I think we're going to see the impact of kind of where this goes over the coming months to really see the, the impact of this. And with that, we'll jump into our final section of... Rapid Fire News. All right, now for some rapid fire news. Too much has happened. We're going to try and cover as much of it as possible. So first up, Solana is building a Web3 mobile phone. This is really interesting. Looks like it's going to cost around $1,000, be available for delivery in early 2023. Matt, what do you think of this? I I think it's really interesting. I I don't really know what to think. It's uh, most... Okay, so here's my take. I don't think it's going to be something that's going to like get mass adoption. Um, But I think for people in Web3, a clear pain point, because they're also building their whole like, I think they call it the SMS stack. I can't remember what it stands for. Solana mobile stack, maybe something simple as that. Um, But yeah, whether they've also got like an SDK and this whole idea is that it's going to be a decentralized app store. 
one of the challenges for anyone that's trying to do anything on on a smartphone with crypto is like okay you've got if you're on solana the phantom app uh you've got the metamask app for most other like eth or evm compatible chains and you can sometimes kind of like hop in but it's just not that smooth and there's no great browser support especially on mobile for decentralized apps so i think they're kind of trying to do this and just build some hardware for it and uh yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that I think that people will definitely buy it. Um, I'm I'm almost certain of that. Uh, I I saw. I think they announced it at uh, NFT NYC actually, and uh, I saw a lot of hype around Solana, especially on the NFT side of things with Magic Eden uh, doing another big raise and also surpassing kind of um, some of OpenSea's uh, ETH transact uh, NFT transactions. So yeah, it's like it's pretty good. I, I, I was I was impressed by the the turnaround time of early yeah. twenty three. Now we'll see how that actually happens, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I like it. I I wouldn't bet on it if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly intrigued by, though by the idea of you know an integrated DAP store, integrated Solana Pay. We'll see how it goes. Now, outside of that, we've all been hearing about these market woes and the effect that they're having on exchanges. So unsurprisingly, a bunch of companies are embarking on layoffs. Coinbase, we've all heard about, laid off 1,100 people, roughly 18% of their staff in spectacularly terrible fashion. Um, And that's, of course, following their rescinded offer issue that we talked about in our last episode. BlockFi has laid off 250 people. That's 20%. Bybit has laid off 600. That's 30%. Crypto.com, 260 people. That's 5%. And this, I think, is not the last of it. Well, at the same time, Binance is hiring 2,000 people. What could go wrong? (laughs) uh, Yeah, I know. (laughs) And you know what's my favorite part of this, Matt, is that CZ literally announced this in a tweet with this classic stock photo looking picture of him holding his hand out to like shake your hand. And I was like, this just looks so, it looks like a stock photo. And amazingly, (laughs) Kobe replied to this threat and was like, dude, is this a stock photo that you just Photoshopped your head onto? And it literally is. They dug up the stock photo. I'm just like. Surely that was more work. I know. Couldn't he have just like pulled a photo? There has to be a million photos of him like in a a corporate office, right? Anyway, um, yeah. If you want to work for Binance and a boss with an odd sense of humor or perhaps a lack of self awareness, I don't know which one it is. um, They're hiring. Are you talking about Binance or you're talking about the entire Web three space right now? It's hard (laughs) to tell. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 it is. I mean, two thousand people. That is a that is a lot of people. And I know Binance have been printing money through all of this, but wow. Yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. <clears throat> but yeah. probably good news if you're in one of those companies that are looking for a role, especially on like the engineering side, which Binance is going to be hiring a lot of people for, for their, their BNB change. Yeah, certainly. And of course, as we've said many times, bear markets are big opportunities. And to CZ's credit, I think that's really how he's 
looking at this. Um, okay. Yeah. Earlier we talked about Voyager Digital and how FTX had bailed them out to the order of $485 million in a loan. They have also done the same thing by extending BlockFi a $250 million revolving line of credit just last week. So FTX uh, holding the entire industry on its back. <laughs> and yeah, in particular, Sam Bankman Freed, right? So like if the, yeah. if the, we, my big concern, I was chatting to, uh, I can't remember who I was chatting to about this. Um, uh, I think it was Ben from the, the Milk Road uh, when we were at uh, NFT NYC. Uh, I've just got this like really like high level of anxiety that SBF is basically the last figurehead we have. And I'm just kind of waiting for like us to find out he's like, just a mass murderer or he's just <laughs> there's just going to be some scandal um and and that is like the the last thread of hope we have in crypto right now if if ftx ever did fail and i, I want to clarify there is no concerns of this at all right now this is purely just my uh, pessimism um it would be monumentally bad but until then it's like you know FTX is basically the, the Santa Claus of um, of crypto right now, and they're just kind of bailing people out. And we'll see see how long it lasts. I'm yeah. uh, I'm hoping and praying that it it, yeah. it can it can withstand. <laughs> well, hey Matt, here's an interesting one. Imagine if you were getting sued and you could get served via NFT. Uh, oh, that, that would just make something... it so much better for me. I'd, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. is it a Genesis NFT? Uh, can I trade it? And the person that buys oh it then takes on my my lawsuit. That would be <laughs> I, that would be really good. What if we extend this to other crimes? If I kill someone, I'm served with a murder NFT, uh, a one of one hundred, maybe, um, depending on how many murders I've committed, and I <laughs> sell them on OpenSea, thus condemning the unsuspected buyer to a jail term in the excess of 25 years. It, you know, <laughs> I think it's an interesting, maybe this is what NFTs were designed for. Maybe it's what it was designed for. Don't give people ideas, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, what's happening here is there is a really interesting New York court order, which is clearing the way to serve lawsuit defendants via NFT. And basically what this is, is it's a wallet that has been uh, engaged in illicit activity and the uh, the papers will be served to the wallet via the NFT. Uh, really interesting. Of course, there's some speculation around like, what if... Um, you sell the wallet, you know, then does the person that buys the wallet has to, <laughs> anyway. Um, so it is, it's yeah, interesting, interesting though. I, I think this is very, it's very interesting. I mean, it, it's, it's clearly trying to go after the, the, or tackle the challenge of anonymity. Right. Um, I think the, yeah. the blockchain is incredibly transparent. We know all transactions that are happening challenge. A lot of the time is that uh, we don't know who is behind the wallet address. So yeah, interesting. Going to follow that for sure. Um, I don't suppose we have any uh, news about Do Kwon, do we? I, we haven't talked about Luna well, enough, right? I'm sure he's... Yeah. Wait, he, has he has he now gone on some kind of like good pilgrimage and he's dedicating his life to <laughs> philanthropy? Is that what's probably happening? I imagine that. You, 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 you know, me. Matt, unfortunately today I didn't have any Portugal news for you. So I had to make up Damn for it. it. 
Yeah, and we need Do Kwan okay. to visit Portugal. That's what we need. Oh then it's the gosh, ultimate I would lose synergy. It. <laughs> this podcast would combust. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I had to make up for it with a with I know your just your favorite topic, which is Love it. looks like Do Kwan has potentially cashed out with over two point seven billion dollars over the span of a couple months prior to the Luna. Terra collapse. Uh, I don't believe he would do. I don't <laughs> believe he would do it. He seems like a stand-up guy to me. I, I, you know, <sighs> he's not in the market for a fifty million dollar super yacht, is he? Because uh, you know, <laughs> I know a really good one that's coming on the market at a great discount. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, there's an amazing Fat Man Terra thread once again. Um, I love this guy, by the way. It, yeah, if, you, if you're not following this uh, Fat Man Terra on Twitter, you should 100% do it. This is like my favorite person at the moment for just like these deep dive uh, Twitter threads. They're really, really good. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Of course, everything you have to take with a grain of salt. But so far, there has been some really interesting info in there. And um, he does a pretty nice breakdown of how it looks like this may have happened and Doquan may have cashed out with $2.7 billion prior to the Luna UST collapse. And of course, set to the backdrop of this, it looks like the Korean government has imposed an exit ban for all ex-Terra employees. There was an interesting thread um, prior to NFT NYC, where Daniel Hong, a, a former uh, Terra employee, said that he had been blocked at the border and was uh, caused to stay in the nation of Korea because um, he had received an exit ban due to being associated with the company. And it looks like these exit bans are pretty broad sweeping. They're including employees that haven't been with the company for over two years. So clearly Korean government is gearing up for some serious action here. Wow. I wonder how much that's like impacting just even like people that were just like in the support team and just like probably quite excited about just like this role and getting into web three, you got to feel for those, uh, those, those crew, if they've got kind of wrapped up in this, which it sounds like they have. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And of course there's more action overseas as well. Um, It looks like Doquan and uh, several other parties are going to be subject to a class action lawsuit in Northern California, which among other acquisitions Accusations says that Terra tokens were sold as unregistered securities and that Doquan made a series of false and misleading statements regarding the largest Terra ecosystem digital assets by market cap, which were UST and Luna, in order to induce investors into purchasing these digital assets at inflated rates. So lots still happening there. I think we're going to continue to have to talk about this for quite some time. So Matt, yeah. <laughs> your yeah, favorite I I, subject I, other than Portugal. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I, I kind of, I don't, I don't see a, I don't see an outcome where Doquan doesn't go to jail. Um, to, yeah, I think you're yeah. right. I, I think In it's fact, now become too high we, profile. Jails may be fighting over Doquan. Oh, who, yeah. Who gets to hold Doquan? <laughs> they should launch a stable coin to fund <laughs> the campaign to incarcerate Doquan. And they should have their own Ponzi's. And maybe we should issue NFTs to Doquan as well. And, you know, we could do a large token sale to, to fight it out. It could be really great. I'm sure it'll be really good. And uh, it could be yeah. backed by 3AC. Uh, be, be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of stable coins, it looks like Tether is launching a stable coin that's pegged to the British pound sterling. Finally, a real currency. We're coming over the pond. Oh, no! 
to my people, to my people, let's let's take down our small, isolated, Brexited nation over here. With like, is Tether just going to collapse the 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 little remains of our post Brexit world right here? Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, no, it seems like you know the the British government have definitely um, started to embrace crypto quite a lot. Uh, hearing a lot about it. Uh, maybe it's because our inflation is so high that the pound sterling is worth pretty much nothing. So they're like, well, you know, we may as well hedge on Tether at this point. Um, no, I think so. Yeah, Tether, they they did the euro. I think they did a big, um, a big launch of Tether pegged to the euro, uh, which so far has been quite successful. Interestingly as well, just on the note of Tether, um, they have committed to releasing, doing a, a full large-scale audit and showing uh, and releasing the information publicly of all of their holdings that are backing uh, Tether. So that's going to be really, really interested to see um, how that all plays out, how much of it is in kind of treasury bills, how much of it's in um, corporate debt, what that corporate debt looks like. And yeah, I'm interested um, to see how this all plays out. And we'll see. We'll see what uh, what it is. Um, I, I, I'm actually glad that we're getting stable coins pegged to GBP. It's kind of useful, certainly yeah. for me as well. But the more that it can span across, um, yeah, I, I see it's a good thing overall, assuming that Tether doesn't, uh, completely die, which would yeah. be ideal. <laughs> um, all right. In a leaked transcript, Elon Musk discussed how crypto could be used on Twitter. The TLDR is that um, it looks like there could be some pretty meaningful integration of crypto and uh, fiat currency payments into Twitter. Um, and he's continuing to talk about his WeChat style super app, which uh yeah, I, I thought we were over that, but um, apparently we're not. Uh, so anyway, the, regardless, it looks like um, if the acquisition moves forward, um, crypto and payments in general will be a significant part of the strategy going forward. And uh, that will be built off of eliminating bots, eliminating scams by open sourcing the algorithm, introducing Twitter blue subscriptions, lots of interesting stuff to happen there. But mm. for our last story, this I is the big to- one. Yes, I'm so pumped about this one. Radio Shack, Matt. <laughs> They're now Ratio Shack, and they've turned oh, into oh, a yes. crypto shit poster. Everyone's a crypto shit poster now. <laughs> Strap yourself in. The markets are about to recover, and we're going to go into only up mode because Ratio Shack are here to save the day. Oh, wow. This is just, this is what we want. Uh, you know, we got. Now we've got GameStop and Radio Shack. This is just the, a powerhouse of companies it's amazing. in the space. <laughs> and I have to say, I mean, this was clearly um, a, a stunt that was pulled, you know, prior to NFT yeah. NYC. It's winding down a bit. But if you go to the Radio Shack Twitter right now, there are some absolute gems. Um, total, total shit posting. It's amazing to see, you know, your nostalgic 90s brand coming back in such a bizarre fashion. Of course, they filed bankruptcy in 2015. And were purchased by investors Alex Mayer and Ty Lopez. Yes. Oh, stand up guy. Stand up guy. Yeah. yeah I'm sure Ty we want Lopez, <laughs> the guy that was like five years ago standing in his garage in front of his Lambo and his wall of books and talking about knowledge. Uh, <laughs> that guy. <Yeah. laughs> oh, God. We got to take that as a soundbite and use it for future episodes. <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he, uh, uh, yeah, he purchased the company earlier this year and they've relaunched it as a cryptocurrency swap. So, yep, Radio Shack is back and that's all we have to say. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Ty Lipez is going to save the day with uh, Radio Shack and everything's going to be nice and rosy. And uh, yeah, Austin, listen, I think we're at time. I got to get back to my super yacht. It's going to be hanging out there. It's getting delivered pretty soon. So um, I'll see you next week. Yeah. See you, Matt. Contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.